Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teach it through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. So I'm sitting down here. I'd rather be doing this in person, but it's always hard to catch up at tournaments with everything going on, doing this over the phone. One of the guys that I have the most respect for out there, one of the great teachers in the game, Adam Shriver. Here's what I want to talk about today. So I was going through social media. I know you're not a huge social media guy, but I just looking at your stuff, and I keep looking at all these young guys that you have that are playing great golf. And my passion, you and I have talked about this, is like developing young people and developing young players. I want to talk about what's your – I mean, like, how the hell are you doing it? What's your secret? don't want to give away all your secrets, but I want to talk about developing young players and kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm good at it. I sure like it. I sure like those ages. And uh, it's fun. I mean, before their heads get too big and they make too much money and they think they know more than anybody <laughs> else in the world because they're really good at golf. No, you know how that goes. But uh, oh I like it in those early stages because you can watch the growth, very, you know, tremendously. And, you know, we take, I mean, I know you do because I see you at them all and I spend a ton of money going to seminars, learning every year, trying to keep, feed the feed the passion from every angle I can. And one of the things you hear over the years is that kids form these movement patterns in these couple windows. One of them's like 11 to 13, and then the other one's like 15 to 17. And the most dominant sport they play in those windows will will dominate their eye-hand coordination patterns. And I'm sure you like to you know, I'm sure you get kids come out there and say, oh, you played a lot of baseball or, you know, you yeah. can see certain, certain things about their pattern. Oh, you must have played hockey. And I think that's one of the things that we get told. Like, I don't really believe any of the stuff we hear in our seminars, even though we're spending a bunch of money to go to them and, and try and get better. I don't necessarily believe it until I experience it. And that's one that I've lived over and over and over again. You know, so yeah. trying to catch them in that window and really do some good in their golf patterns is a real cool thing if you can do it. But yeah. understanding patterns that they formed during that time, like I ask a lot of questions about, you know, the dominant sport you played in high school or who taught you golf or what did you work on? Because that 15 to 18-year-old window, I'm just going to broaden it to make sure I capture everybody, I think that one holds true. Like, that's the one that shows up when it pressures on. and Whatever pattern they formed in that window, that's the one we're battling hard. And to understand it, I think, helps you battle it more effectively. To, to pretend the pink elephant or whatever, however that stupid thing goes, is not in the room, is just kidding ourselves, you know? So I, I'm trying to address it as soon as possible, I'll recognize it, know that it's probably always going to be there because it's part of their DNA at the, at the time that I get them. If they're, you know, if I'm getting them at a young pro and they've, and they've already, 
gone through that window, then I'm probably not doing much about it. If I can catch him in that window, hopefully I can make a pretty good pretty good pattern that I don't have to do anything about later. But, you know, like Sam Ryder played a ton of travel baseball. Okay. And he fights a throw pattern because he, he hit lefty. So he really doesn't fight anything in his golf swing from, from hitting. But he okay. fights with, you know, a throw pattern, which is a single pendulum pattern, kind of a going into extension, hanging on to it, releasing it late. You know what I mean? Yep. And a big shallowing move in transition, the way his right arm works naturally, which can be a really good thing if we take advantage of that part. The other part can really hose us. But, you know, he, he, he's done all right. I mean, he led the tour his rookie year in ball striking, which I thought was really cool for a kid from Stetson. Yeah, you've done a hell of a job with him. I've watched him from... He works really hard. Really, you know, and I know we, we're only as good as yeah. they are. One hundred percent. I mean, I'm trying my butt off with everybody, and you know, he he he's very diligent. I mean, for a kid from Stetson University, I mean, he was never recruited by anybody. You know, so yeah. for that kid to make it on the PGA Tour, and you know, been out there five years now, I think is a really cool thing, and it's a tribute to, to how hard he works and how organized he is. He's a smart kid, you know. It's getting, now, getting wanna, a lot out of the stuff. Before uh, we go into other tour player stuff, I want to talk about that sure. 15 to 18 range. Because I'm big on that. You know, we, you and I, what well, we talked, but we talked a bunch weeks or so ago. Like, I love that range. I love getting them in oh, that yeah. range, right? Because, like, I've always believed, and, and you do lots of this. One of the things that I've found fascinating is watching some of the stuff you do is similar by you do, having them learn movement patterns without the ball, right? Without a club. Yeah, I've seen exactly. them. With, I've seen them with throwing, you know, balls and weighted doing different things. And, yeah. and I do lots yeah, of, we things, do it all. Right. And, and I love that. Cause I think my belief is like, man, if we can get somebody, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, where we can really develop what, like, I know none of us have, like, we don't have, we had cracked a code or whatever, but like, man, if we can get them where we can develop what we would think would be a really good movement pattern for this guy at that age, to me, that's the fun part of coaching and developing. Like you got, right. you really got a chance to put your fingerprints on something at that age. Yeah. And I don't think that part, I mean, I don't think that's tremendously different from sports, you know, even though like I, I'm telling you, I'm battling Sam from another sport. I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities into getting the most out of it, you know, yeah. certainly in how you link the body together. You know what's crazy is before all these force plays and before all this science, when Anthony Kim was a kid, I used to have him do rotational jumps out of the bunker no <laughs> onto the lift. Like, not just him, the whole group that he was yeah. with, but he was with a group where they would, you know, it was before box jumps, really, but. Mark Verstegen had told me that, you know, these rotational jumps are really help him leverage the ground. And then me being me, I tried to take it a step further and threw him in the sand and tried to elevate him a little bit. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but it looked right when they did it. So I went for it. <laughs> right. And, uh, but now you can measure stuff like that and you can know it's spot on and you can sit there and, you know, you can, you can create such a scientifically perfect routine for every person to come in there, kill it in an hour, max out how the muscles talk to each other, how they leverage the deck, how they really build the superior coordination prep pattern, you know, recruiting 
a positive chain. And, and while they're doing this, all this, at the same time, they're reducing any chance of ever hurting themselves, <laughs> which is just a really, really beautiful thing, you know? Well, I think that's even, you know, some of the, I think you talked about always trying to learn. And, you know, I, I spend so much time, like, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is just, is I mean, I know people enjoy listening, but I love talking to people like you and learning. And I was at a wedding last weekend down in Palm Beach, and a and a big-time spine and back doctor that's worked on a bunch of tour players was there. And I was having drinks with him, and I just started picking his brain on the moves that where he sees people, that what they hurt their back. Like, I find that stuff fascinating and is equally as important as, you know, some of those seminars and stuff I've gone to over the years, you know? Oh, no, yeah, 100%. I think, I mean, I remember buying Tom House beers for, you know, I couldn't buy them enough beer oh. to ask enough questions, you know? Like, But, yeah, I think that's where you really hash it out is when you get mono a mono and, you know, it's uh, in a little bit less structured format and we can all get after it. And, you know, like, I, I honestly miss the days, you know, like, when I first started with lead, there was three or four of us that all became really good coaches. And we would sit there and have pizza and beer once a week. And we'd throw our students on the screen and, you know, everybody blow each other up, you know, right. and be like, dude, why aren't you doing this with him? Well, you know, I just didn't think of it. Well, come on, man. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, you're right. I should have been on. But that's how we like, honestly, those days of feeding the fire that way was like, because everybody looks at it a little different. And I think there's an infinite number of ways to attack any problem, you know? And yep. it's just, and they're all probably going to be degrees of correct. It's just how correct are you going to be, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's, that's the beautiful part about it and of what we do. And, and just like the players, I don't think, you know, like golf's such a cool game because you can never, you'll never get to the summit. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Like, no matter how good you play, you can always play better. I mean, nobody's going to shoot 54, and if they do, they'll probably think they should have shot 50. And, uh, you know, I think as a coach, the same is true for us because, you know, you might have cracked a code for one individual and be really proud that you helped this guy get close to reaching his potential, but the next one's a totally different case. And if you try yeah. and handle it exactly the same, you're only going to be percentages of success, you know? And I really believe that. And, and I think that's what's cool about what we do. And it's a lot like life. You got to, you know, you got to adapt on the fly. You got to change and you got to do the right thing. Like for me, the ones like, you know, I think what we do is like, it's exciting when you have success and you have a run where a guy plays good. The ones that haunt me the most are like the ones where like you didn't do a good job or it didn't work. You know, like one for me is like, man, like, I did really good with Smiley Kaufman for a while, but then it went bad and I couldn't figure out how to get it back. Right. Yeah. Like, and those uh -huh. are the things like I sit there and I'll talk to somebody like you and you're like, what the hell did I do wrong? Right. Oh, uh, dude, and, uh, I got, that's my David Chung. David Chung got to be the number one amateur in the world and couldn't keep it on the planet. And, right? uh, yeah, brutal. But, uh, no, I'm with you. And, and, and I think obviously that's what makes you so good to come on, man. You know, like the well, the problem is, is most guys in that in that situation, and and ninety percent of coaches in that situation are pointing the finger at Smiley, and all you're doing is trying to figure out what you could have done different. And I, I'm, you know, I'm hopefully doing the same thing because I admire that, and I think that's all we can do 
And, and you know what? Sometimes it, is, it might be the other guy. But that ain't making you any better to think of that way. One of the things that changed with me was, and I use him as an example, but there's been multiple examples. But, like, is, you know, at the time when he was playing and he was on that run playing good, I didn't have a facility where, like, I had the force plates and stuff. And, you know, right. I had, like, you a bunch of people on a phone, right? Yeah. But, I, I, but you know how, like, when we tell a player, like, this is what you were doing, and they don't feel it or know it, like, and you don't have any way to prove it, like, you're kind of yeah. out of luck, uh-huh. right? No, you know, know, so, like, that was kind of the start of me where, like, after that, it changed with me where I was, like, I wanted to get as much data from a guy when he was playing good more so when they were playing bad or I was starting. Like, I just wanted to be able 100%. to prove to a guy what he was doing when he was good, like, more than anything. Yeah. Like, that was a big reason. No, I know. I know. That's why that's, like, some of this new stuff that's coming out with the AI technology is going to be so useful for us because it's going to be so easy just to capture basic stuff. Because, look, nine times out of ten, this setup's going to be wicked different, you know, and that's where it's all started. And then the change just got off to a bad start on down the road we went, you know. But uh, And that's going to show up right away on that kind of stuff. Let's talk about when a player does get off. Okay, so when you have uh-huh. one of these young guys and they come to you and they, you know, like maybe they, you know, they've been real good and they've had some success on their way up, but they're not where they want to be. Like, how often do you find a lot of it is set up stuff? Or like, where do you see a lot of people, you know, like what, what do you see with folks that are struggling, you know, and maybe they've hit a part where they're not continuing to improve? What are some of the things? Are there any commonalities in there that you see that players, you know, where you start with players, or you see that maybe they're missing some? Yeah, I think they. I think honestly, the commonality is I think they got bad at something else that they were doing really well. <laughs> that hasn't, you know what I mean? I think that's the one commonality. You know what I mean? If there is one, right? Like they were cashing all their putts from ten feet and in, and now they're putting mediocre or their wedge play they you know was outstanding where they have a few kick-ins every round and they've lost that part you know and they took something for granted that and and it's put exceptional pressure on the other parts of their ball striking and tends to be showing up i think that's the one commonality i see but yeah i mean i think it's generally like they go play somewhere and it's been howling three weeks in a row and their setups got all winked, you know. Mm-hmm. And now they go, and then they go play somewhere where it's, you know, now it's moist, and they got to hoist it in there, and the, you know, it ain't working out. I feel like you can give the lesson when the guys came back from the British Open, just like without even seeing them, you know. Ball's leaning left. You're going to be too, yeah. aiming too far left. The ball's going to be too far back, and you're going to probably never get off your left side. You know what I mean? Same lesson. You could just send it to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, tweak, 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 and save them some money. But, yeah, just because they're really good at golf doesn't mean they're smart, man. You know? And 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 that's that's a good thing for us because it gives us a job. (laughs) No question about it. You know, and I I think that the guys that do really well, that stay well for a long, or good for a long time, have a real good understanding and understand what they do, what it is that they do well, right? You know, mm-hmm. and then there's, to me, there's a lot of these younger guys that 
and have a lot of potential. And I don't know that like they necessarily really understand what it is they do when they're playing their best. You know, yeah. like that's what I try to educate them is like, I want you to know what you need to do to hit it good. Right. Keep trying to get and, better at doing that more. And what do we get? What do we got to do to keep going better? And I think those are the players you see. They have, they know their identity, you know, uh-huh. they know like yeah. they know they're going to play golf the certain way. I mean, I don't think Cam Smith's trying to overpower any golf courses. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's necessarily trying to make birdies with three irons. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he knows when he gets a wedge in his hand, he's pretty good, and he knows that flat stick isn't too bad. And if he can just drive it somewhere reasonable, he'll be okay, right? I mean, that'd be my yeah. read on that situation. You know, and he's taking a superior short game on into sort scoring clubs would be the way I would, would read that. And, 100%. And, and paying off big dividends. I always marveled, too, at Lucas Glover. You know, the five years I worked with him, I thought I learned a lot from him because, like, you know, he understood that he played best when he hit a draw to a hook, right? Uh-huh. And he just wanted to do that, you know? And, and yet you see lots of guys like, uh, you know, Smiley was one, going back to him, like, that. man, he, he got, you know, I thought when he played his very best, everything just fell right. And he hit a drive and mm-hmm. fell a little right. Like, got into trying to curve it both ways, thinking you have to do that. And I, and I think that players get lost trying to do too much sometimes instead of just understanding what it is they do when they play their very best. I agree. That's an interesting thing. I was talking to uh, Troy Denton about that, actually, at the Dallas okay. event. Just trying to ask them, like, do you sit down and goal set with these guys? Like, how do you do this part? You know what I mean? Because, like, how do you really help them understand their identity? And, like, the year Sam's leading the PGA Tour in ball striking, we almost lost our card because we were that bad on and around the greens, bro. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so that was a, like, come on, Sam, we, you know, we got to wake him up. It ain't just, you hit it good enough. Like, he didn't, like, I, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's like, I, re- I remember Anthony's, one of Anthony's teammates ended up caddying for him, Brody Flanders. Yeah. And Brody, after he caddied a couple of years on tour, he's like, Shrugs, why didn't you make me play? I'm like, dude, <laughs> you know I was pissed when you didn't try He's like, I know you were, but why didn't you make me play? I'm like, dude, I can't make you play. He's like, I know, but I thought everybody out here did it like Anthony, you know? <laughs> I'm like, no, dude. Are you kidding me? You know? Right. Like, it's right. a little bit special. And it's mm-hmm. like, but it's a little bit like that. Like, you got to know who you are, and, and not everybody's going to be a pure ball striker. And, you know, not everybody's going to have uh, Abe Answer short game or Cam Smith short game, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got to figure out where you are in the scheme of things, what makes you good, and then what's going to lead you to a long, successful PGA Tour career. And then the rest of that, after that, like, when you start talking about changing, like you're talking about with Smiley, now I'm trying to hit it both ways. And, I mean, that's like changing your identity big time. I yeah. feel like you've got to peak the other areas, and I don't know what's right or wrong. So I'm asking as much as I feel like I'm talking about it because I feel like you got to peak those other areas at least to a certain efficiency level before you'd, you'd roll the dice on something like that, you know? I would agree with you on that. I, I think that players get ahead of themselves like, okay, well, if I want to be an elite player, 
heard that used. Like, I've got to be able to, you know, curve it this way and this way. Tiger does this. But, like, being, but like you know, when and you were around Tiger way I hadn't been around him very much at all, but, like, during the Anthony Kim years. But, like, when he first came out, I mean, he wasn't as complete a player as he was in 2000, right? I mean, no. he was great. But, like, I think that players don't always – I think they look at some of these elite players and don't understand that, like – I mean, they didn't just start there. I mean, there was a growing and maturation process that got them to where they were there. And I think that – I don't know that players always see that process. They see the finished product and try to jump there rather than understand that they got to go along the journey. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think – I mean, I don't know. I think Tiger is unbelievable, right? Like, right. yeah, but he heard about the nine ball and – you know, I always thought all my guys, yeah, we got we to gotta move it both ways. If we're going to win majors, we got to play poker out there. We got to always be playing the odds. We got to always be working the ball off the fat of the green. We've always got to always be having the best possible miss we could have. And I've kind of changed on that, you know? And because I'll tell you, I, I caddy for Casey Whitberg. I was coaching Casey when Tiger won the play, players, and we were paired with Tiger. He did not have nine shots that week, I promise you. <laughs> and he, he still kicked everybody's butt, you know? So it's like, I mean, I think that would be the ideal. And I think a little bit of today's generation gets so lost in perfect technique, perfect golf shot, perfect golf swing, and they think that's really the creme de la creme. I think if, like, I know Anthony, his best attribute was – giving himself the permission to fail and being a competitor. And yeah, the other stuff was good, but without the first two, you know? Right. And I think Tiger does the same thing, you know? Like, he's unbelievably the ultimate competitor, and if he's nine shots, he's going to beat you. If he's got three shots, he still thinks he's going to beat you, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's just going to play chess with those three shots around there and get the best he can out of the golf course that way. That's what I watched when I watched him. Like he didn't have yeah. not, he did the shots, and he played away from a lot of pins, and he put from 40, 50 feet. And then when he had the shots that fit the situation, it was go time, and he pulled it off, and he usually cashed mm-hmm. the putt. You know, and, yeah. and it was the best he had for what he had. And I don't, it's like, I'd love for my guys to look at it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they don't know when to bitch out. Their ego gets the best of them. They think they mm-hmm. should stop every pin, and then, boom, we make a double or a triple. You know, it's like, God damn it, man. You know, like, yeah. we could have hit 40 feet right then and been okay. We got two birdie holes coming up, you know? So I remember one time I texted Justin Thomas. I you know, knew him from Alabama and, and from uh-huh. Tom Lovelady, rooming with him and teaching Bobby Wyatt and all that, and, Text him, I was like, hey, you know, when did you, you know, I forget the exact nature of the question, but it was like, you know, hey, when did you go from being a good player to, like, being one of the best players? And he, it was like he instantly texted back and said something about, like, well, I was in Malaysia at the, that, I think it was that event when they played there. And he said, I didn't have anything, hitting it terrible, end of the season, I wanted to be done. And all I had was basically like this slap cut. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I just figured I'd slap cut it out there, and all I was going to try to do is take care of the par fives and then hit everything else to 25, 30 feet, figured I'd roll a few in, and he won. 
you know? Yeah. And he was like, right. you, you know, and he, yeah. like he, I figured out that, like, if I, you know, if I take care of the par fives and, and I hit it to the correct side of the hole 20-something feet a bunch of times, and I birdie some short par fours when I get wedges in my hand, well, like, I'm going to be on the good side of it a lot, right? I mean, and that's the gist of it. But, like, I, I think that, like, I mean, I think that when you look at that's brilliance, the way the best players boil that down. Oh, 100%. I, yeah, I mean, whatever year that was with Wittenberg, I mean, Tiger had a bullet hook, and he had arguably a high fade that was more close to a slice at times. <laughs> really? And, yeah, and he won the golf tournament, dude. And it was just like, it was so impressive to watch. And he just played golf with those shots. And Clay embanked him against the wind to open up fairways. Like he was all, he never rode the wind, you know? He always banked it against the wind. So his target got bigger. And that was the game he played. It was simple. It was pretty easy to watch and put together. You know, putted really good, chips it like he does. So it's hard for him to make a bogey, you know? As long as he kept it in play off the tee, it was golden, which he did really so, well. Got two questions for you. Last questions here. Yes, sir. So first one, first one is from a player's perspective. You're a young player, got some talent. You're really wanting to be great. You want to be have a chance to play for a living. What would your advice be to them, like to to maximize what they could do? Like if if you could give one of those young guys some advice, because we get a lot of those folks listening to like, and and you're so good at that. Like for those young players, whether they're 15 to 18 or they're middle of college or coming to the end of college and thinking about playing for a living, like if you could give wisdom, pass wisdom on to those types of players, what would you tell them? I'd tell them to put themselves in the best environment possible all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty broad, like, like there's a guy that you've never heard of that wins from TPC Jacksonville every two years. There's a Lonto yeah. Griff, a Tyler Duncan. Yeah because they've been sitting out there playing with VJ and Shirek and some of these other crafty veterans and picking this up and that up, you know what I mean? And realizing golf ain't as hard as we it sometimes. Yep. And a lot of positive, good, a lot of good little positive habits that start to add up. Agree. That's a great question. <laughs> well, and my next one's going to be good too. You'll like that, but the, I got a guy, Rick Lamb, similar, played on tour, Having a great year. He's Mondayed in two times. He's halfway to getting to the Corn Ferry Finals to do a Mondays, right? But his uh-huh. big change was like, this was one of those rare ones, Adam, where like the guy hadn't played good for two years. I didn't get fired, right? Right. And he says like, hey, I've been living in Nashville. I've had a lot of fun, but I'm going to relocate down to South Florida where I can train with Colby, be in the gym, do all the stuff I need to be, and play go. with better players all the time. He's having one of his best. He's, he's playing and, fantastic. And I think all of those are really important, and the last one probably being the most important. You know? It's hard to mm-hmm. get an environment. It's great to play with your buddies, dude, and have them pump you up and tell you how good you are. And everybody likes to get stroked every now and then. Like, let's face yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. But is that the best thing for your career, bro? If you, when you look yeah. back on it, you know what I mean? You don't no. want to look back and have any what ifs, I don't think. Nope. And I use that, you know, you don't have to do it. You can wonder what ifs. Yep. <laughs> or you don't have to do it only if you want to be as good as you can be. <laughs> you know? No, I agree That's with like, thousands. Those are like my tag statements because I hate forcing people, you know, and it's like golf's an individual sport. You better be self-motivated, brother. 
if I got to count reps for you, we're probably not doing to do well. You know? Right. We can't do it for you. Right. Uh-uh. You know, and I'm not one of those ball busters. I mean, I'll do anything in the world. You see me out there. I see you out there. I'll show up uh, anytime you need me. I'll go every week, but we can't do it for you. Right. No. All right. Last question. You're a young teacher coming up. You get a lot of lots more than I ever thought possible. Young teachers listening to this and uh-huh. you're wanting to develop and develop and be able to be around and help people become best players in the world. Where do you start? What do you do? Uh, where do you start? I don't yeah, know where you go everywhere, everywhere you can and learn, you know, and learn from everybody you can. And don't just pit in yourself in golf. That'd be my advice. Yeah. You know, find great coaches because they're, they're everywhere. And a lot right. of them are outside of golf and you can take what they've done and apply it to golf, you know, and then great educators and figure out what they're doing that you can use. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dude, that's that's Como when he was twenty. You know, he was going really? to law school. Yeah, he was going to law school and took a lesson from me, and asked to work <laughs> for me. And the one thing I always love about him is like he's always trying to learn from every single person. Like I can stop and talk to him on the range, and you can tell oh, when yeah. he's asking you something that the wheels are turning. He's trying to figure something out about what you do. No doubt, no oh. doubt. He- Always, and he's always, yeah, he's a trip. I've known him for a long time. I love that kid. He's a great, great kid. Well, hey, thanks for taking time. You're always so good with your time with me. And, uh, uh, man, and one thing we are going to for sure do, you and I are going to teach some kids together this fall. I'm going to make I, sure of it. We're going to do this. Looking now. so forward to that. Yeah. Love you, we'll buddy. Have, we'll have a couple beers, solve the world problems. That sounds great. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines, for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube, as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.